On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Joanne, and Joanne was raised by a gaslighting abusive mother. It's a story of intergenerational trauma, mixed messages, minimization, denial, and blame. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, we have Joanne. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you tonight? I am doing well, and thank you for asking. And if you want to be a guest like Joanne is today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page, and there you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button, and please send it in the format that we ask for. And a content warning for today's episode, there is talk of childhood sexual abuse in this episode, a graphic description of childhood sexual abuse in this episode, as well as physical abuse. So there is your content warning for this episode. And the interesting thing about this episode is that it has been recorded on two separate occasions. The first time we recorded was in 2019, and the second time we recorded was pretty much four years apart from the recordings. And this was a very early recording that we did, and it's a family episode. And at the time, we weren't releasing uh, shorter episodes. And with this episode, I felt that there wasn't an ending per se, that it was kind of just abrupt. And I got a hold of Joanne and we got back on uh, the phone to really finish her story four years later to really see what had happened since she went low contact with her uh, mother. So a really big thank you to uh, Joanne for being here with us today. And this is four years in the making, uh, this episode. So now I'm going to get out of my way and your way. Joanne, the floor is now yours. Well, thank you. Um, the first thing I want to do is thank you for your show, because um, I have definitely found it very helpful, and I really enjoyed hearing everybody else's stories, um, and that's what made me want to come and talk to you about mine. So the, what I want to talk about is, I guess, uh, my mom, and just to give you some background on my mother, because um, I feel like it's very important to my story uh, to explain why I feel like my mother is the way she is. She was born with a pretty rare bone dysplasia that they actually didn't know what it was until she was older, um, but it makes her look very similar to uh, someone who has dwarfism. So she is kind of short. She has short, long bones. Um, so her arms and legs are a little bit short. But um, growing up, they were always trying to figure out what was wrong with her. They sent some of her bones and stuff off to France and I think Germany. And my grandmother kind of blamed herself because, of course, that was when um, people were taking 
thalidomide and everything. So my grandma didn't know if maybe she did it. Turns out she didn't, but my grandmother has some issues of her own and she deals with mental illness. Um, so back when my mom was growing up, my grandma, I've heard stories where she would take a bunch of pills and lock herself in her bedroom for days on end. And my grandma, um, would just not come out, not do anything for my mom. My mom had to take care of herself and my uncles. And um, I think that really influenced who she is and how she grew up. My grandfather left when my mom was pretty young and he went and started another family and then quickly left that family and started another family. So she had her own issues growing up because she looked different. Um, So she met my father when they were both young teenagers and they very quickly got married. Um, She was 17, he was 19. And of course, you know, sometimes rushing into things isn't the best idea. And their marriage was one of those not so great ideas. But they stayed together for a while. And um, eventually, you know, I came into the picture. Ta-da, makes sense, right? So growing up, I didn't know that there was anything wrong with my mom or anything. I thought she was a completely normal person. I thought she looked normal and everything. My first inkling that she ever looked different or anything was whenever I started elementary school and kids started pointing that out to me because, you know, kids find anything that they can to make fun of. So they would pick on my mom as a way to get under my skin. And, um, I would go to my mom and I would ask her about that. And instead of her telling me, you know, oh, don't worry about what people say or anything, she went in the complete opposite direction of, oh, yeah, you have to worry about what people say about you. And I can't believe that they're saying this about me. They're so mean. Don't hang out with them. Appearance is what really matters. Well, growing up with that, that was kind of strange. And, um, My parents eventually got uh, divorced when I was about nine, and um, that was probably for the best because growing up, I remember they were fighting continuously, constantly, all the time, Uh, but my father ended up having lots of affairs on my mom, and I think that really broke my mother's heart, of course, but they divorced, and that was for the best. Um, He moved out not too far away. Um, My mom started dating a friend that she had known for many, many years. And this friend of hers had a son. Um, At this time, I'm about nine. The son's about 15. Um, He ended up molesting me. Um, I told my mom about it that next morning, um, whenever she woke up, and she dealt with that the best that she could, I guess, um, dealing with that. But I will come back to more about that later. she ended up meeting my stepdad at 11, and I think that he's an enabler. He's got all of his issues and everything on his own. But um, growing up, she really isolated me, or I felt very isolated from my family. I have a pretty large extended family, but um, she used to get in fights with them or cause them to fight with each other. I remember her, like, wagging her finger in one of their faces and saying stuff to them, Um There would be couples who never fought that would fight all the time. She would have people fight with my great-grandma and stuff like that. And so my family eventually decided they no longer wanted to deal with her. And because 
I was her daughter. They couldn't really deal with me without dealing with her. So they all cut contact with us. Um, eventually they reached out to me once I was an adult and I completely understand why they wouldn't want to have that toxicity in their lives. But unfortunately, you know, it kind of made me feel like they abandoned me because now here I am curling up with this all on my own. Um, I was also kind of isolated from friends and geographically we lived out in the middle of the woods in the middle of nowhere. So my mom didn't really want to take me to friends' houses uh, other friends' parents didn't want to take their friends over to us. Um, so I ne- didn't get to really hang out with people too much growing up. Whenever I did hang out with somebody, I would always remember how my mom looked different from everybody else. And I would always let them know, hey, uh, my mom looks a little bit different. Please don't stare at her. I oftentimes got back, you know, your mom really doesn't look that different. I don't know why you warned me. I was expecting something a lot different than what I saw. I was like, I'm sorry. She told me she looked different. Um, Whenever I did have friends come over, I would always have to pay for that kindness later. Something like, oh, remember how your friend such and such came over this weekend? Well, because of that, you need to do this for me. Or remember when I paid for you to go to the prom? Well, now you have to go and do this for me. It was never just a kindness or anything. Um, So just to do a little bit of a roundup, you know, your mother is gaslighting about how she looks. She's holding things over your head. She's shaping your world as being this truth teller in the world, no matter what the truth is. She influences who you hang out with. You also feel for your mom. You know, she's made you feel her trauma here and made it part of your life for you to live. And that's not to say that your mom hasn't gone through trauma, but she's transferring it to you. And you are young and these things are things you don't always need to hear as a child. So... Going forward from here, how do things change as you get older? I guess as I was younger, she could kind of control me to do or tell me to do more things and control me and I would do whatever. But as I got older, you know, teenagers don't always listen so much. So then she became somewhat more abusive. Um, Sometimes she would yell at me so loudly that I could no longer understand the words that she was saying um it would sound like there were bees in my ears and I was trying to hear her and I just couldn't do it the only time since then that I've heard something that loud was when I was in college and a fire alarm went off and we were going down the stairwell and the fire alarm was echoing all down the stairs that's how loud she was yelling at me and then she would make me feel bad about her yelling at me by telling me that she was about to have a heart attack and her blood pressure was getting so high. And if she died, it was my fault because she was so upset with me. Um, I would try and remove myself from the conversation or from anything happening with all this. And instead of her just letting it go, she would follow me into whatever room I went in because our house didn't really have any locks the only door that locked besides the outside doors was the bathroom door so the bathroom kind of became my safe place because that was the only place I could get away from her 
But if I went to a bedroom or something, she would either follow me in there and continue yelling at me, or if I got in the bedroom, I would sometimes sit in front of the door, and she would open the door and hit me with the door, and if I didn't immediately move to let her in, she would keep repeatedly hitting me with the door. One time, she flapped me um, in the face really hard. Um, One time, she hit me with the remote, so she hit me really, really hard with the remote to the point where you could see the indentations of the buttons in the bruise on my arm. Um, She oftentimes called me a bitch. That was her favorite word for me. Uh, So, of course, with all this going on, I grew up thinking that something was wrong with me. She would also gaslight me. Um, We would have a fight, and I would talk to her about it later whenever I calmed down, and she would say, oh, no, that didn't happen. I didn't do this. You said that, and because you said that, that upset me. If she ever apologized to me, even her apologies, it'd be something like, oh, I'm sorry you felt that way, but I didn't do that, or uh, you took everything that I said way too seriously, Or, um, oh, I'm so sorry I hurt your feelings, but I only said that because you said this to me. And I'd be like, I didn't say that to you. And she'd say, yeah, you did. You just forgot that you said it because you were so mad. I understand. Sometimes I forget things when I'm mad, too. I'm like, I didn't say that to you. Oh, yeah, you did, and you did X, Y, Z to me. And she would call all of her friends and tell them what I said. So her friends would be calling me telling me I needed to apologize to her, or when my father was alive, she would call him and tell him that I was so disrespectful and needed to apologize to her, or she would sometimes call her mom, and uh, my grandma would call me and tell me I needed to apologize to her. So she would just call all these people and tell them how horrible I was and I needed to apologize. Um, When I was 16, I finally got tired of all of that, And I moved in with my dad. He himself has issues or had issues. Um, I found out shortly after moving in with him that he was a drug addict and an alcoholic. But instead of moving back in with my mom, I wanted to continue to live with him because I still felt like there was more structure in that house than there was with my mom. And I felt like he loved me more and wanted me there more than she did. But unfortunately, he passed away quickly after I um, moved in with him. And then my mom kind of tried to sexualize my relationship with my dad. Um, Right before he had died, he had, um, it sounds so stupid, but he had bought me like a pack of underwear because I think I mentioned to him that I needed some new underwear. And... um, My dad not paying attention, it turns out he accidentally bought me thongs, but my mom went on and on and on about that and how that must mean that he wanted to have sex with me and all this other stuff. And I'm like, no, I really don't think he did. And she would just continue to tell me, yeah, yeah, he did. That's the only reason he could have ever done that. It clearly says that on the package. And then she started telling me all these weird sexual things that my dad was into that I really didn't need to ever know. And once I knew it, I couldn't unknow it. And she would, I guess that was another time of her trying to gaslight me. Well, then once he died, instead of it being like, oh, 
let's grieve him together or anything. I couldn't even grieve him because I had to stay strong for her. You would think that um, the love of her life had just passed away or something. She cried endlessly for about two weeks, all during his memorial service and everything. And I couldn't grieve until I finally went to college. And um, I ended up talking to a counselor. But when I went to college, she tried to take any kind of accomplishment or anything that I ever made away from me. Um, she would try to tell me that the only reason I made it to college was because of her, or the only reason that I got a full ride was because of her, because of all these people that she called to get me a scholarship. When in reality, I worked my butt off my entire life to try and go to college, and I worked my butt off to try and get these scholarships. But she didn't see that. She just saw she called one person one time, and now I couldn't go to college if it wasn't for her, and I should always do everything that she ever asked to repay that. So she's blaming health issues on you with this blood pressure thing. She's following you into rooms, which is, you know, intimidating. She's not respecting your space as well. Physical abuses are going on. Uh, gaslighting is going on. She's calling you a bitch. Uh, she's minimizing. She's denying. She's blaming. There are faux apologies that are going on, not real apologies that are happening. And then there's smear campaigns that are going on when it's related to her friends. And this gets reinforced by people telling you that you need to apologize to her. Uh, you have your dad dying and she takes it over for herself. And it's like she's denying you and your feelings. She's kind of, you know, really hijacking this situation, part of a denial of everything and, and the minimization, denial and blame of things. This is the denial of it all. Uh, she's taking your accomplishments that you are getting and using them as her own. She's really trying to rob you of your sense of self and who you are. And she's setting you up for being, you know, ungrateful. We hear that a lot in our episodes where parents think that their child is ungrateful and they try to hark back to those things. And now you are about to get this big aha moment into who your mom really is. And you're about to find out that her actions and what she did that you thought were good, but the underlying things and how she was really feeling really didn't add up. Uh, and this goes back to when you were assaulted. So walk us through this. Walk us through what happened here. My first, I think, weekend back from going to college, she was on the phone with her friend. And if you remember my aside earlier where I got molested, she was talking to her friend about how she really wished that she could have been in a relationship with the man she was with at that time that I was molested, but she couldn't be in a relationship with him anymore because I had to go and get molested by his son and she couldn't be in a relationship with somebody whose son molested their daughter. Not, oh, are you okay? It was, oh no, you cost me this because that happened to you. Basically anything that I've ever done in my life, she's tried to take it and make it hers. 
So here you get this event where you hear that your mom is doing the right thing, but it's not like she's doing the right thing for the right reason at all. Instead of feeling for you, she's still thinking of herself, really, which many people who are listening must be going through, too. I'm sure there's a lot of people that resonate with what you're hearing right now. And it's a painful thing to realize when it is coming from your parent. And you also wrote to me that your eyes got opened around this time as well through a college roommate of yours who noticed that you were also going home to tend to your mom because you felt like your mom needed you and your mom was getting sick all the time, but doctors never found anything. And these things would always happen when you had a big test or exam or a paper due. You know, she was controlling you from afar. She played the guilt card and the victim to get you to do these things. And your roommate really took notice of this and it really helped you to start seeing things a little better that the fog, the fear, obligation and guilt, the fog that was going on started to clear. So she's controlling from afar and pulling the puppet strings when she wants to, and she's making everything you've ever done hers as well. So you do end up in a relationship and your mom will start to try and get her hands in there and interfere as you get older. So tell us about this. My husband and I have actually known each other and um, since second grade and been friends since middle school. Uh, we finally started dating in college. Uh, once we were out of college, we got engaged and she ruined our engagement basically, or she tried her best to, because apparently um, we had kind of discussed it and we had decided, or um, I guess I had decided that I wanted to use my dad's ring that he had given my mom because I always thought it was pretty and I thought it was a good way to have something from my dad when I had nothing from him and um my husband um or guest feature husband at the time had had the ring for maybe a month or two but apparently my mom decided that that was too long and since he hadn't asked me to marry him that he was a tight ass for not getting his own ring anyway and that he was trying to steal the ring from her because if he wanted to marry me, he would have asked me by then. When in actuality, he was waiting for the perfect time and he wanted to marry me once we both had jobs and everything that we needed. And he also wanted to custom design a ring and just use the like diamond from her ring. That way he could give her the ring back because he was going to get the, the cubic zirconium in it. And then we would, you know, both have our respective rings, but she really didn't like that and went on and on and tried to break us up. And she would tell me, you know, I really liked it when you were with this guy or that guy. And I'm like, I'm not with them for reasons. And then whenever I walked out of the house after she was going on about my husband, um, she was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were there. Well, yeah, you did. You could clearly see my car out the window that you were looking out of while you're talking to my neighbors. And you knew that I worked night shift the night before. So there's no way I wasn't home. But we eventually got over that. And we went a couple states away to visit my grandma with my mom. Uh, my husband and I did with my mom. And there was one time where she got upset because she decided that I didn't love her enough because I didn't get her the most expensive Christmas present. Um, 
she would go around to all the stores where she decided we would get things and would look up the prices to see and if anybody's uh, gift was more expensive than hers. And obviously we loved her less than everybody else. And she was about to physically harm me again. And my husband came out from the room after she started yelling at me and made sure that she didn't lay a finger on me and tried to defuse the situation so then she kind of spat in our faces that he was my little watchdog. And ever since then, she cannot stand my husband because he doesn't play her games. He doesn't let her do any of the manipulative things that she wants to do. I really enjoy having him in my life, and I'm very thankful for him because he definitely has helped me to heal, I think. But even whenever we did finally get engaged... She tried to take that accomplishment as well. She she started off saying, oh, well, you can only do that because, and I stopped her and I said, because of what, mom? What did you do? And she's like, oh, uh, never mind. She did throw me a bridal shower and everything, but she complained about it the whole time and said she never wanted to do anything like that again. I'm like, well, that's fine. I'm not planning on getting married ever again. Um, So we finally get to our wedding day and... My husband's mother made it to the wedding before my mother did. She didn't come early to help me get dressed. She didn't do anything. She showed up just with all the other guests, and that was it. And then um, my husband's mother, again, helped set stuff up. She helped take stuff down um, because, you know, we were in charge of having to make sure everything was taken down off of the premises and everything. My mom didn't do any of that. She just complained the whole time about, it was too hot. You know, um, we were outside. Why do we decide to have an outside wedding? Why is everything so long? Her feet hurt. Her dress is hot. Blah, blah, blah. The whole night. Um, and, you know, we had come to expect it at that point. So whatever, that's fine. Um, I kind of started, once my husband and I were married, I kind of started moving away from my mother, not location-wise, because she only lived about five minutes down the street. But we don't really talk on the phone or anything anymore. Um, We're kind of unofficially low contact. Um, She really only ever calls me if she wants to tell me something that happened in her life. And then she might ask me about my life for one sentence and then completely gloss over anything that I say and continue talking about herself. But uh, after the wedding, we didn't really have any Big things happened until my husband and I decided to buy a house. And we had been renting the house that I grew up in. So we'd been renting that for my mom. And instead of her being happy for us for buying our first house, she said, Oh, well, you should have contacted us before you ever contacted the real estate agent because now you're leaving us in a lurch and blah, blah, blah. Well, we knew the real estate process was going to take a long time and it did end up taking a while. So we weren't really leaving them in a lurch or anything. So why can't you just be happy for me? Well, then we get to my husband and myself being pregnant. Um, We told my mom that we were pregnant, and she again started with, oh, you can only do that because, and my husband was done with it at that point. He's like, because what? You didn't do anything to make us pregnant. Um, The day finally came for me to have the baby, and I ended up having to be induced, and my mom went through a similar kind of thing when she was having me that she ended up having to have an emergency C-section. Well, 
she decided that me being induced and having the baby was taking too long and she was bored at the hospital. So she decided to leave with my stepdad and they needed to go take care of their dogs because their dogs were so confused because they weren't there for a couple of hours. So they leave and I just know something's going to happen as soon as she leaves. And of course it does. And I end up needing to have an emergency C-section as well. And I really wanted to talk to her since she had had one. I wanted to have some kind of reassurance. So I asked if my mom's here. And of course I get the news that no, she left to go take care of her dogs. And there, my husband and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law are all trying to call her and my stepdad to say, y'all need to get back here. She's going to have major surgery. And she gets back there, rides on being rolled back, and her words are, oh, I hear you are wanting your mommy. So here she is making fun of me while I'm about to go back to surgery, not knowing if I'm going to be able to survive this or not. And she's making fun of me for wanting her in that moment. So here's a moment where your child is born, you're going through a lot at the hospital, and all you want is your mom. And your mom is making fun of you. And based upon listening to your story so far, you are someone that has these mixed messages growing up and you love your mom. And at the same time, your mom has not been the kindest to you. And this is a moment where you really need your mom and you're not getting what you need from her. She's not being a mother in these situations and it has to be extremely painful to go through moments like this where these are the times that you really need someone who in a way says that they're on your side, but then in these moments, they just kind of abandon you. And that must be hard to figure out and hard to comprehend so are you able to you know discern what's going on do you have conversations with a therapist or your husband about these things because you've been gaslit for so long it has to be confusing so what's going on with you here in understanding what's happening so my husband actually helps me a lot um he is very open to listening to how I'm feeling and what I'm saying and everything. So he helps me cope. I'll be able to ask him, Hey, am I overreacting if I'm thinking this way? And he'll tell me, yeah, or no, or are you sure she meant that? Um, a lot of times whenever I talk to my mom, I'll have him near me or I might have her on speaker where he can hear what she's saying too and I'll kind of cut my eyes at him whenever she says something crazy to see I just heard that right she did say that but I don't see a therapist or anything at this point in my life Um, but I do feel like my family really helps me both my husband and our daughter um, they really ground me and I know I don't want to be the way that my mother was when I was growing up. So basically any decision that I make or anything I think about, is this what my mom would do? And I try and do the opposite of that. So have you ever caught yourself doing something that your mom has said or done? And if so, does that frighten you? 
<laughs> normally it's whenever my husband and I argue or something, um, there's a little voice at the back of my head that's like, you know, if you really want him to do this or say this, all you have to do is say this and he'll do it. And then I'm like, no little voice in my head. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to manipulate him. I want him to make his own decisions and be however he wants to be because in a relationship, it's not just what I want. It's what we want. Sometimes it still slips out. And then I'm like, dang, that sounded just like my mom. I need to cut that out. And then usually I'll apologize to my husband and say, I'm sorry, my mom just came out. Wanting to make sure my daughter has the best life possible really fuels me because I want to do everything that I can to make her happy and healthy and make sure she knows that she's loved because growing up, not really knowing if you're loved is really difficult. And I still have some issues um, with that sometimes. And I've asked my husband on occasion, why doesn't my mom love me? Why can't she be like your mom where she just does stuff for you because she's your mother? Why does everything have to be contractual? So this was the part of our recording where we pretty much ended our recording in that Joanne was in low contact with her mother and just dealing with things at that time four years ago. But now Joanne is back with us here right now to tell us how the last four years has gone uh, with, low con- with low contact. And I know that your mother did pass away uh, in this last year, very recently, actually. And I'm very sorry that that happened. And I know that there's a grieving process that was going on. And I know that you uh, reconciled uh, with your mother very recently as well. And that you had one grieving process already when we began our recording. And now you're going through a second grieving process right now. So I guess... Uh, first of all, I'm I'm very sorry that this has has happened. My condolences to you, and uh, I guess tell us what has happened in the last four years as far as you know understanding uh, what's happened, the reconciliation between you and your mom. So I guess walk us through all of this. Like I said, we went low contact with them, and we just tell them things that they needed to know. We would contact them for like. Mother's Day, Father's Day, birthdays, things like that to see what was going on or if something happened to a family member like my um, my mom's mom. Um, we would talk anytime there was anything going on with her. So, um, yeah, so in that whole low contact state, um, I think that I was really able to work on myself because um, I was able to see my husband and his family and how they interacted. Um, so my in-laws have really been like a, a rock for me. Um, I did a lot of reading on different personality disorders and um, reading up on like children of parents with personality disorders and trying to see how I related to that and to try and, you know, stop different behaviors. You know, how you something long enough, hear something long enough, you believe it. I wanted to make sure that I stopped doing that. And when it came to the low contact with your mom, did you have 
ups and downs there? Was she trying to, in that low contact, um, control it a bit? Because, you know, a lot of this story of yours is about your mom and uh, control and being able to pull strings with you and fear obligation and guilt that is running you a lot. So were you able in that low contact to ha- have interactions with your mom where you're dealing with her and succeeding in kind of creating boundaries for yourself? Yes, I would say so, um, especially once we uh, moved into our own house, because then at that point she had nothing that she could hold over me. And I was able to kind of not be so angry anymore um, with her after being able to step back for a while. And I'm actually really happy that um, I was able to get over some of the anger because I think that has helped me as a person as well. So I don't hold on to things like I used to. And I feel like the low contact really did help us because once she realized she could not have anything over me, could not control me with anything, um, she didn't try so much because there wasn't anything for her to try and fool. So were you able to have conversations with your mom and reestablish your relationship? Were they deep conversations about what happened or was it kind of, you know, bygones be bygones and you just started anew? We kind of did um, bygones and start anew. Um, She told me at one point, I guess we did have one deep conversation where she kind of just apologized for everything. And that was that was when she saw me as a mother with our first child. Um, she just pulled me aside one day and, and she was like, you know, I'm sorry about the way I, I treated you when you were younger. You are a really good mom and I'm so proud of you. And I really appreciated that. But at the same time, it made me feel, I don't know, kind of, kind of strange. Cause it's one of those moments where it's like, I don't, you've dreamed about this moment for so long and then it's actually happening and you don't know what to do in that moment. But at that point we kind of let bygones be bygones and we did try and start fresh. We were, we were actually making progress. We were, we weren't the closest mother daughter pair. Um, My mom kept telling me she wanted to be closer to me. And I saw that maybe happening one day, but I wasn't ready to completely trust her yet at this point. Um, But I did want my children to have a uh, relationship with her. And that was one of my driving reasons of developing more of a relationship with her. Cause I wanted them to kind of choose who they wanted in their lives. Instead of me saying, no, you're not going to have this person. I wanted them to, to get to know her. So we had um, really supervised visits with her where she would visit the kids and everything. And, um, it was nice seeing her because she was a she was a good grandma. Um, I could see some traits um, that kind of came back sometimes. Like um, she was very very jealous of my kids and their relationship with my mother in law. But um, when she came over, she would always bring them lots of presents and everything. Um, so that was that was interesting. But um, I was 
liking that we were getting closer together again because, you know, being a child of someone with this kind of personality disorder, I guess I can't speak for everybody, but in my, um, you know, view, I always wanted my mother's love. I craved it. I wanted it. That was something I always dreamed of having, and it looked a little bit different, but having the second opportunity to get that mother's love was really nice to me. Um, and I, pro- I probably have um, rose-tinted glasses on right now um, since she did just pass away, but I did um, feel like our relationship was growing more in a mother-daughter kind of sense. And not everyone goes no contact with their parent. And a lot of the time, most of the time, the child, like you and many others, still loves their parent. And you were able to leave the situation and create boundaries for yourself and slowly get yourself back into a spot where you were seeing her and you had these boundaries and you created this way of having a relationship with her where slowly more trust could be built over time. And you never know what the end result would ever be. It could have blown up in your face, but you got it to this point where, you know, you got to see this caring version of your mom in this good grandma before she passed away. And I'm happy for you that you got that. And the unfortunate part is, you know, you you grieved the the childhood that you never had in right. a big in a big way. And now you are you are getting there and you got this feeling and now your mom has passed away and you're grieving again. So how has that process been? It's been really tough. Um, It's definitely not something I was prepared to go through or wanted to go through. Um, I was actually talking to one of my friends um, not too long ago and helping her through um, a similar family situation. And she told me, I think I'm the only person that I could ever tell this to, but I just want my father to die. I just Mm -hmm. think my life would be so much simpler without him in it. And in that moment, I sat there and I thought, that's not how I feel in my situation at all. Like I, you know, I really miss her. I did. I feel like I mourned her for years and years. I mourned her even when we were low contact and everything else. I mourned when I got to see how my husband was with his family and how I wished that I had that. And then, like you said, we were building this up again and she passed away and now there's nothing. Um, someone once told me when you lose your parents, it's like losing your past. And I can really see how that is true because I lost my father when I was 17. I've lost my mom now. And there's no one that I can go to with questions. No one that I can ask, you know, about myself or how they were feeling when I was a kid or how this happened or anything like that. And once again, there's no way for me to have that love that I've always wanted. So, you know, this story of yours is now four years old with me and you. And 
you know, when I listened to and started re-editing the the recording from four years ago and, and talking with you now, it's weird to me in the sense of, you know, I'm hearing the story of how you were, uh, how you grew up and everything that you went through. And now to hear, you know, with your mom's passing and, and reconciling and all those things, it's it's going to be an interesting episode to put together where you kind of have these two different stories that are going on. So how do you feel about this? Because, you know, in one way you're mourning your mom and there's also this other part that happened. And I'm about to stitch together an episode where you're doing the mourning and you're, I'm also going to be talking about what has happened in the past and that's a right. difficult thing. And I've thought about like, is this the right thing to do right now with you? So how do you feel about this? I mean, if this can be helpful to anyone else, um, I would like to be able to help them. I personally probably will not listen to my episode um, right now. Maybe that's something that I can do um, in the future to see if that can maybe be therapeutic in a way. But right now I think it would just, um, you know, make me really sad because right now I don't want to think about the bad times. I want to think about, you know, the good times, the the happiness that we had at the end um, and everything that we were working on. Um, But I do feel like both sides of the story are important because they are both, me. And even though you gave me some words of wisdom four years ago, let's use the ones from today. So what are your words of wisdom for everyone listening? I feel like definitely stick to your boundaries, even though sometimes it can be really hard to do so. I think they do help. I think once my mother realized I had these boundaries and I wasn't changing Um, she was able to bend along with me and we were able to figure out what to, to do and how to live with each other. Well, Joanne, I really want to thank you for being here with me today and four years ago. You did this on very short notice and just a big thank you for sharing your story and it's going to help a lot of people. So a really big thank you. And once again, my condolences for your loss and everyone who is listening today is giving you a big hug too. And, you know, your story is going to help a lot of people. So really big thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here with us today. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Once again, Joanne, thank you for being here with us today. And if you want to be a guest like Joanne was today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. 
And if you are someone that needs support, we here at Narcissist Apocalypse have a support group. So at NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, there's a button that says support group. When you click on that button, it, it takes you to our very own safe social network. And inside, you'll see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. We also have forum boards for you to post on and get the validation that you need from survivors just like you. It is a wonderful group of people on there, and you can share your experiences and make friends as well. So if you need support, join our support group today. And if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at domesticshelters.org. At domesticshelters.org, they have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you're dealing with. They have every phone number and email address and web address for shelters and agencies, no matter how big or small the town you're in. Domesticshelters.org has it there. It is a wonderful free resource and organization. So if you need extra support, please do go to domesticshelters.org. And we have new friends to the show, and it is a place called Shelter Movers, and Shelter Movers can be found at sheltermovers.com. And Shelter Movers helps survivors of domestic violence transition to a better and safer life. It is a volunteer organization, a donor-supported charitable organization as well. It is currently only in Canada, but they are looking to move into the United States. And what they do is they help coordinate moves for people who are getting out of domestic violence. They help you to safety and get all of your things out of your home and into storage all of your belongings into storage, and they can do this for your pets and livestock too. It is a wonderful organization. So if you need help from them or just want to donate to them, please go to sheltermovers.com. And that is it for today's story. So for myself and Joanne, we hope you have a good night.